VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello. Hello. Welcome back. I'm Andy Barons, joined as usual by multi-sport fantasy legend Scott Pianowski. Welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast presented by Planters, satisfying your snack cravings for over 100 years. I I got to say, the thing uh, satisfying me most right now is that I did a at least a cursory sweep of the fantasy portfolio and found that I am actually not facing Dalvin Cook in very many leagues, only only a couple that I have identified so far. I have I, like I have my core leagues that I really care about, and then I have my other leagues that I maintain, but I don't necessarily look at the matchup each week. Like I'm losing to Dalvin Cook on a on a Pete Shanky team, our, our mutual friend Pete Shanky, and who who minds losing to Pete? That's not so bad. So it could be worse, is what I'm saying. There's a 48 point week work lurking out there, and uh, I don't have too much exposure to it. How are you, Scott? Good. I was also able to avoid the the Cook. Avalanche. Yeah, isn't that what Mike Zimmer wants, right? You know, just run the ball like 70 or 80% of the time and 14 we, pass attempts for his quarterback. We saw a lot of that. I, I rewatched the, the Raiders and Browns game because of some of the Browns Twitter was thinking I was too hard on Baker Mayfield. And I thought, well, okay, I'm going to give this a fair go. And I watched the game. And it's like a 1975 football game. Nobody wanted to throw downfield. <laughs> and these drives were taking for like eight minute, nine minute drives where most of the plays were just power runs. And, and it, the one touchdown in the game felt like an over you know, something that no other team could overcome. And, you know, other than the fact that we had to throw everything every, every time somebody got near the end zone, it had to be reviewed. Other Henry than that, Ruggs should have had a damn touchdown. I'm still mad about it. Like I've seen that play multiple times now. I've seen the still fret like the Henry Ruggs play was a freaking TD. I don't so feel mad. conclusive either way. And it was called a touchdown. I don't know how you take that away. I feel like man, Jarvis Landry, depending on how you define the word drop, he had anywhere between two and five drops in this game. Mm. But anyway, that a lot of running uh, with the Raiders, a lot of running with the Browns and certainly the Vikings played the Mike Zimmer, you know, dream game where Kirk Cousins, you know, oh yeah, you can throw the ball once in a while. And by the way, make sure it's a dump off the Dalvin Cook that he houses from 50 yards out. <laughs> so yeah, I, I didn't have Devontae Adams go against me. I didn't have Cook go against me. I didn't have one of those silly defense. There's always a silly defense that scores like 23 points and you're always afraid that they're going to land on you. But fortunately, uh, the trash cans were landing on other people yesterday. You bring up the the Raiders Browns game. Where where do you stand uh, on responding to weather events generally? This is a super general question, and I'll I'll let you take it anywhere you want to. But we had like basically the same wind situation affecting a whole bunch of games yesterday. Like it it was moderately impacting the game in Chicago. Like I'm I'm here in the city, and I can tell you it was actually lovely in the city. Right? It was a little blustery, but it was a perfect fall day. I don't know seem like ideal football weather but the winds were pretty strong clearly affected um some of the decisions maybe some of the throws wind was a much bigger factor elsewhere i think uh anyway how like how do you approach it where where do you draw the line where you're like okay i'm benching kickers i'm benching quarterbacks i'm benching receivers you hit the, the right word is wind okay you don't worry about rain you don't worry about snow and there was uh, you know some different types of precip- precipitation falling in cleveland yesterday which was also part of the mix but Wind is what you, your enemy is. And if it's anywhere from like, say, 20, 22 miles an hour and under, I say you just don't worry about it. Remember, the weather can clear up at any point, too, and we have no control over that. But once you start getting to like a 25 mile an hour wind and up, that that's where you have the problem area. And another thing you saw with that Browns and Raiders game is that the teams didn't want to throw the ball deep. They could throw the medium and the short passes. No big deal. So if you needed Hunter Renfro, you were fine. You needed Darren Waller. He yeah. had a great game. But he had a handful of catches. If you look at somebody like Nelson Aguilar, who leads the league right now in, in yards per catch, he only had two targets. You know, the deep part of the game was negated. I, I think that hurt Higgins as a spot play. I would not drop. If you liked Aguilar and Higgins a week ago, I would say give them another week to play in a regular weather game. But for the most part, 
I think it's a little bit overplayed of a card, but wind is what you're looking for. And again, even when you factor in the wind, it's somebody who needs to make a deep play. It's no surprise that Ruggs, I know he could have had that touchdown. There were, there were no long passes to Ruggs yesterday. There was no long passing to Aguilar. Mayfield wasn't yeah. looking to throw deep. Of course, Beckham's not on the field anymore. So think wind. And when you apply the wind, first think of the deep pass maybe not being a part of the game. I fundamentally agree with you there. Uh, I guess I I guess I would add like the only the only sort of blizzard events even that I get worried about are like, you know, events that would actually close schools, events where we're supposed to go check on our neighbors, stuff like that. Maybe I maybe I start reacting and I take kickers out. But by and large, I've found that over the years, uh, meteorological events are things that I you know, one of the big mistakes that we make as fantasy managers is to overreact to them. Man, I'll tell you one more thing that I that I should have said right at the top that really satisfied me. Shout out to shout out to Troy Aikman for his his broadcast work during the Bears and Saints game because he was just viscerally repulsed throughout the second half by the Bears offense. And it so perfectly expressed the sentiment that uh, every Bears fan was feeling. That was a that was a brutal watch. That game lasted like 30 minutes too long. You know, I'm starting to feel like I'm a little bit of a Trubisky sympathizer. <laughs> I don't think I don't think they have the right answer on the roster. I'll, I'll say that for starters. Yeah. Trubisky has a much worse um, bad pass rate if, if you go off what's on um, pro football reference. But he has a little bit better stats. Maybe Trubisky played the easier part of the schedule. I don't, I don't think Foles is much better than Trubisky. I don't think Trubisky is much worse than Foles. I think the next great Chicago team is going to have a different quarterback. I'm not saying anything revolutionary here, but my prediction is I think Mitch Trubisky has more football games to start in 2020. I think at some point he's going to get the, the tap on the shoulder. Yeah, I, I didn't even mean to, to launch a Bears discussion, and I'll, I'll stop it abruptly. But we have big things to discuss coming out of Week 8. We should probably dive into injuries a little bit. And then, of course, this is the Pickups podcast. Major injuries from the week include uh, uh, pick a pick a niner. George Kittle could miss eight weeks with a broken bone in his foot. That is effectively the fantasy season. Uh, I think he's 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 a plausible drop right now, right? Like you're not going to hold on to a guy who's going to miss seven eight weeks. Jimmy Garoppolo aggravated the high ankle sprain that he's been trying to play through. He looked uh, uh, pretty wobbly before that. Then re-injured the uh, the ankle, and uh, Nick Mullins came on. We'll talk about Nick a little bit later. Also, Kenny Galladay, a hip injury. He's likely to miss at least one week, we would think. Calvin Ridley has a mid-foot sprain. So there are some big names that were dinged uh, in the in the weekend past. Not all the news is bad, though. We get some guys coming back. Christian McCaffrey's coming back soon. Nick Chubb coming back soon. Maybe we'll see Michael Thomas again eventually this season. Let's dive into some potential pickups. We'll start at the running back position. And as usual, I'm just going to throw out a whole bunch of names here. These will run the full range from very lightly owned, like you're in a deep league. This guy, this these guys might be interesting to. Uh, I'm I'm sorry, I have to mention the guys that are that are rostered in forty percent, fifty percent of leagues, but I but I kind of do because they're still hanging out there in a bunch of ten team formats. So we'll run through the full list here. Uh, Damian Harris coming off another really nice week for New England, his second hundred yard game in four that he's played. He's got the Jets coming up next. Um, I think he's a prime target right now he's rostered in just under 50 percent of yahoo league so if you're in a 12 teamer he's probably not out there gus edwards really strong day along with jk dobbins for the ravens jordan wilkins <laughs> may have may have leapfrogged jonathan taylor at least for a week taylor dealing with an ankle injury naheem hines actually caught a couple of touchdown passes in that game as well jamichael hasty wasn't particularly efficient for the niners but he did uh deliver his first rushing td i actually thought he had a couple of runs where they were something out of nothing plays, right? He might have gotten a couple of yards where he could have easily been tackled behind the line of scrimmage. Um, the touchdown was a nice, you know, stretch for the goal line play as well. DJ Dallas, who I thought looked mostly not good. Uh, <laughs> I don't have a lot of good things to say about DJ Dallas, and I didn't really promote him very heavily in the pickups column. He did score a couple of touchdowns. He uh, made a handful of mistakes, too, and was brutally inefficient. He hits Buffalo next. Cam Akers could get interesting. We He's also headed into a bye, so you can't really like lay out a whole bunch of fab for cam Akers right now but daryl henderson uh got a little bit banged up missed about half the game for the rams and uh one final name i'll throw on the pile is is tremaine pope 
who kind of out of nowhere, 15 touches for the Chargers and at least seemed to take the Josh Kelly role away. Justin Jackson was really good in that game. You can't add him anymore, but but Pope was surprisingly effective. I don't know. Sort through those guys. Prioritize them for us, Scott. It's a difficult group to analyze because, and this is just the way football is played in 2020 and it has been for a few years. The usage is so splintered. There is not a bell cow to be found. Of course, if there was, the guy would probably already be on somebody's roster, but you're looking at, okay, I like Gus Edwards, but he's going to share with Jackson. He's going to share with Dobbins, who looked outstanding in his first extended, extensive play. I mean, we know Frank Reich now in Indianapolis. He's the, the bagel shop guy where he orders a dozen bagels and he wants 12 <laughs> different bagels. You know, He doesn't get three of these and four of those. I mean, he gets 12 unique bagels to bring home to his team. So you know, Wilkins is going to play, but so is Hines. And you know Taylor will see about his ankle injury. You know, look at the all three of the tight ends get used in that game. That's just life in Indianapolis with Damian Harris, who who I think looks the best on this list. I think you were right to list him first if that actually was some kind of tacit endorsement. I, I think he's the best bet for usage on this list. The problem is he doesn't catch the ball a lot, like at all. Like and he and Edwards both touchdown, not catching the ball at all, not targeting right, ever. Right. And whenever we see a rushing touchdown for the Patriots, you just know it's probably Cam Newton. But I think Harris, if you know the Jets are a good draw, they don't, the Jets actually their defense isn't really that bad. The story with the Jets is their offense is horrendous. I think they haven't scored two touchdowns since Week One, and they're hanging out what I think is an ordinary defense, maybe a little slightly below average. But it's not like the Jets are horrible because their defense can't stop anything. I mean, look, the the Kansas City running game didn't really do anything in that blowout. You know, the Le'Veon Bell revenge game didn't happen. Uh, Ceh has been meh for the last two <laughs> weeks, so. I think it's wrong to assume, okay, the, the Patriots are getting the Jets. They can just name the score and, and, you know, put up 450 yards of offense. I don't think that's going to happen. But I would go Harris first just because I feel like the usage is the easiest to project. And then I like Edwards assuming Mark Ingram with that high ankle sprain is going to need more time. And I think he probably will. The Ravens did a lot of good things in that Pittsburgh game. They had a significant edge in rushing yards, significant edge in first downs. Unfortunately, they also had four Lamar Jackson turnovers. They lost their star tackle. Uh, Staley is, is out for the season now, just a couple of days after a big contract, which is a shame. But I think we've always liked Edwards. And when Baltimore was a – you see, this is the current theme in the NFL now. When you see the three-man backfield and we can reduce it to a two-man backfield, that's when it becomes interesting for fantasy. So when you take Ingram out, now we can reduce it to Edwards. We can reduce it. To Dobbins, that becomes interesting. If Jonathan Taylor would have missed time, that would really push me a lot more into Wilkins because now we only have two running backs to maybe divvy up the carries where I'm worried about three. I think Hasty, I know the stats weren't as great for Hasty as you might have liked, but I agree with you. I thought he passed the eye test more than he did the box score test. I think he earned some credibility in San Francisco. I like that he wasn't wasn't mothballed immediately after that fumble or near fumble near the goal line. Uh, I'm sorry, near the sideline. I know part of that may have been tre- Tever, Tevin Coleman getting dinged up and everything, but I think Hasty may have earned some credibility there. So I'm going to go Harris first. I'm going to go Edwards second. I'd probably go Hasty third, and I re- reserve the right to move up hey- Wilkins if we find out that Taylor is going to miss any appreciable time. I don't think he's going to. I almost wonder if they brought up that ankle injury to give him an excuse for how poorly he played against the very weak Detroit rushing defense. But I think Wilkins needs a little bit more clearance. There's just too much crowding there. So I'll go Harris, Edwards, and Hasty as my three primary if targets. I could, If I could rant very briefly about the Baltimore running game, I found it, and maybe this is not so much ranting about the Baltimore running game as it is about social media generally, like the number of people declaring that J.K. Dobbins clearly should be the featured full workload runner for Baltimore because he broke off some really nice runs. Like he had a really nice game. He went over 100 yards. They're not trying to do that. They're not trying to do that. They, they didn't the team didn't assemble this backfield of three good running backs so that they could winnow it down to one. Like they're they're absolutely not going to do it. There's no hope that your only hope for J.K. Dobbins becoming the every down runner for the Ravens this season is for the other two guys to be hurt. Like that's it. There's no other path. They love Gus Edwards. Gus Edwards was good in this game. Like he had over 80 rushing yards. They trust him at the goal line. They don't throw to him. That'll sort of be Dobbins domain. But like there's no path for Dobbins to take over the full workload. When Ingram comes back, they're not going to mothball him. Like Ingram himself was fantastic last year. Five yards per carry. This year, it's four and a half yards per carry. Like he's still good. Regrettably, he's still good. It's a very effective running game. They're not going to make one guy 
you know, the, the, you know, 400 touch player. Nobody, nobody from this backfield is going to become Christian McCaffrey for you. It's a great point. I think what happens is because we get invested in NFL rookies so early now because there's all sorts of, you know, everybody watches college football and then there's the bowl games and then there's the combine and then there's the draft. So before fantasy drafts have really even started, we've had months of time to talk and analyze and break down film and break down stats. And we feel like J.K. Dobbins has been our next door neighbor for five years because we've gotten so familiar with him. And we want so badly to get a return on that time invested. And in a year, the strangest thing where we've seen the, the flip of rookie receivers on board quickly and for whatever reason, rookie running backs haven't this year. I think people are just so thirsty for a rookie running back to pop. And you know, CH has been okay. He hasn't had a bad season by any means. You have to look at it more as a running back two than a running back one. But Taylor's been a disappointment, and Swift can't seem to, to shove Adrian Peterson out of the way because Matt Patricia is refusing to let that happen <laughs> and other people of the, of the Detroit coaching staff. So when Dobbins has a game like he just had, I think there's just a, an inclination to declare, oh, okay, you know, here we go. It's going to be the way it used to be, one yeah. guy. Like it's a hockey team. They're trying to pick their one goalie or something. It doesn't work that way. I thought Zach Moss was very good. And I know you talked about him on Sunday. He's a little bit over the 50% roster threshold, but I thought he was very good. But I don't think that means Singletary all of a sudden won't play anymore. He'll still probably get eight to 12 touches a week, maybe a little bit more. So we have to have different expectations of what a playable workload is in fantasy. Yeah. And the nice thing about Baltimore is like even when behind, they just they just want to run it down your throat. So like the, the running game, when it does come down to two players instead of three. Uh, I mean, it produced two totally startable, totally viable fantasy running backs this past week. So, like, that's that's probably the most you can hope for. And then when Ingram comes back, whether that's, you know, a week from now, two weeks from now, it's going to be cluttered again. And they're like all three of them are going to get the ball and just prepare yourselves for it because nobody is becoming the featured runner. I think you made a number of good points in there. I I do want to highlight that Damian Harris has the Jets coming up. And even like you're you're totally right. It's not like the Patriots are just going to throw some huge number on the Jets. It's probably going to be competitive throughout. But it's not like the Jets are going to run away from the Patriots either. So we we pretty much know that the run is going to be in play all day. So Harris should be a, a, a pretty strong start. And it, like as long as the run is in play, he, he sure looks like he's going to get 16 to 18 carries, something like that. And he's been he's been very effective. If you watch that Buffalo New England Buffalo game closely, which I did, the Patriots did not want to throw the ball proactively. Yeah. There were several third and longs where they were running the ball. There was a fourth and short and plus territory where they punted. They do not want Cam Newton's arm right now deciding the success of the offense. And so I think this is going to be a very run-heavy team. That almost felt like a high school game. I talked about the the Raiders and Browns playing a 70s football game. This felt like a high school game with the Patriots where they just don't want Cam Newton throwing 30-plus passes. The last New England touchdown pass was Jared Stidham and Nikhil Harry in the Kansas City game. I mean, that feels like five years ago. I mean, not, not exactly the Montana to Rice of the new generation, right? I mean, neither one of those guys is, is anywhere near the field right now. So you know, you, you, my, my feelings about Nikhil Harry have been made on this podcast and other podcasts pretty much all season. So I, I won't go down that route. But uh, yeah, they want to run the ball and they want to run the setup to run. So they're, they're kind of be the kind of the poverty level version of the Ravens, you know, where it's, it's going to be read option. It's, it's going to be maybe the quarterback is the most likely guy to score a touchdown at the goal line, stuff like that. But yeah, Harris has... Right now, I think 15 carries in his back pocket, at least, and it could be more than that. It makes it really difficult to, to I don't know, invest or keep Cam on it. Like, you're probably not starting Cam Newton, except in very deep leagues right now, or even to keep him on a bench. I had, I had a guy talking to me on Twitter the other day about uh, about Cam Newton's rush, rushing upside, which I agree, there is a rushing upside there. It's still present. Like, he's still the goal line back for that team and whatnot, but... There's zero passing upside, none whatsoever. He has one game with over 200 passing yards this season, which is not even like that's not even a benchmark anymore. Nobody cares about 200 passing yards. He can't even get there. Uh, so, yeah, he's he's just a very difficult play. Well, let's let's move on to wide receiver. And I, I regret already that I threw a New England Patriot in this group. But, hey, somebody's getting targets. We'll start again at the top. And I feel like I should almost exclude Corey Davis from the from the rest of the names on this list, because he clearly should be rostered in over 50 percent of Yahoo leagues. He's just under that threshold right now, which, again, a little bit ridiculous. He did come off the covid list, but been a wild year for Tennessee. It's been a wild year all over. 
December, but it's been a, a particularly wild year for the Tennessee Titans. So maybe I get why he was dropped in a handful of leagues, but my goodness, this is a couple games now with with double-digit targets. Um, he, he's been a reliable producer for that team. So Corey Davis obviously has to be rostered in more leagues uh, coming off a, a game in which he actually led the team in targets. So there's the end of it on Corey Davis. Other names who are more widely available – Oh, man, um, if I could give the Bears a better quarterback and a better offensive line, I don't even know how many yards Darnell Mooney would have right now. Like he he gets himself open deep against anyone. He's had huge opportunities every week. He finally converted a, a Foles finally converted a deep play to him in the Saints game. But that's there every week. You saw it in the Monday nighter like he torched absolutely torched Jalen Ramsey a couple times. Like he's, he's fast. He's one of these, he's one of these guys who has four, three speed and looks faster in game than even the combine numbers would indicate. So anyway, Darnell Mooney, super interesting. He's drawn a bunch of targets over the last uh, uh, four or five games. Tim Patrick still hanging out there in about 80% of Yahoo leagues, which I, which I understand at this point because he had the hamstring issue. He was inactive against the chargers, but he's got the Falcons up next. Like that's, that's about as good as a matchup can possibly get. KJ Hamler, same team, caught the touchdown pass against the Chargers that uh, that uh, gave him the win. He's moderately exciting, although not as interesting as Patrick for me. Marvin Hall saw seven targets for the Lions. Kenny Galladay, again, has the hip injury that's probably going to keep him out at least a week. Jalen Rager ha- had, a nice, uh, had a nice return from injury, although he's going into a bye, so you probably don't want to get too aggressive there. Randall Cobb coming off a bye, which is which is fun. He's got the Jaguars up next. That's a friendly matchup. Curtis Samuels coming off a two uh, two touchdown game. He actually has rushing TDs in back to back games. He's been kind of a fun gadgety player for the Panthers. I actually I almost feel bad about it. Like I started Samuel, I think in four leagues this past week, just as a just as a flyer, just as a, a random stream, and. It, it was totally it was totally bad process. Like I was I was thinking, oh, man, Teddy Bridgewater is going to go off. It's Atlanta. He's finally going to throw for three touchdowns and 350 yards or something. And, and of course, none of that happened. The weather was a little bit sloppy. Bridgewater didn't have a great game, but rushing touchdown for Samuel and he catches one. So I kind of I kind of backed into that. And then and the last name I'll throw on this list. It's a Patriot. It's it's Jacoby Myers. You basically you basically automatically make my my pickup list if you have a double digit target game and that's what he did i liked how myers was a lot higher on this original script and i think i shamed you you into did putting him you did you totally did he's he's like number four or five in the in the on the program yeah Corey davis is like the guy who's graduated from this list if he's on if he's on i don't think you need any sell job he's got pedigree he's getting all sorts of usage and teams are basically trying to cover aj brown the moment he gets out of the tunnel so um even though aj brown will sometimes beat that coverage Corey Davis is a really good spot. I will say as a disclaimer, if Brown were to get hurt, I'm worried that Davis would be somebody that teams could really effectively erase if Brown's not on the field. But as long as there's a healthy A.J. Brown, Corey Davis is approved for all uses, leagues, audiences, and uh, you know just to have fun with that. I feel very confident about Tim Patrick if he's on the field. If you can get confirmation that he's playing and that he's close to 100%, I think he leads that team in targets just about any week as they're currently constituted. Drew Locke wasn't a total abomination, and you know they had that comeback win. I know Chargers are going to charge her, but hey, good moment for the Broncos. So I feel really good about Patrick so long as he can just get on the field. I, I should have mentioned that Tim Patrick didn't even practice last week. Like He, he seemed like right. a real flyer heading into game. They held out a little bit of hope, but he didn't even practice. So he's obviously got to practice ahead of the Atlanta game. I would love Mooney on a different team. Oh. Just uh, it's <laughs> unlikely he's going to get traded at the training deadline, so he's stuck with the Bears. And I, I just don't think there's a good deep ball thrower here. So I'm, I'm worried that he's going to be one of these guys where you're going to be on Twitter and there's going to be somebody like Ian Hartitz saying, "Oh, look, Darnell Mooney was open six times last night, and you know they missed. A, they didn't throw it to him five times, and the one time they did, it you know it went over the equipment manager's head. So I'm afraid that Mooney is a really good, interesting prospect and i i could say the cheapest words in the world of dynasty stash whatever but my my other thing with him is he gets open so quickly i would just love to see the bears like sort of play to their strengths and and manufacture some some just short range touches for him there's it doesn't have to be 40 yards downfield yeah why not take a page from the carolina book with samuel right with a you put him in some jet sweep action or just try to hit that smoke route where you just throw him the ball behind the line of scrimmage if he makes one man miss maybe it's a 20 yard gain my worry with Samuel is that with McCaffrey coming back, yeah, obviously DJ Moore is is a mouth to feed, and, and Robbie Anderson's had a terrific on board. I was very disappointed, as you said. I thought it was very big of you to admit that you were 
right for the wrong reasons on Samuel because a lot of people would just say, hey, I picked up Samuel. He was great. I'm the man. You know, go me and spike it. But I was shocked at how poorly Teddy played that game. I, I've been on Team Teddy all season and against the Falcons secondary that we think you can pick on pretty easily. I, I thought, I don't know if the rain bothered him or he just wasn't, you know, maybe the Thursday game threw off his cadence. But I thought Bridgewater played surprisingly poorly in that game. But Samuel has come to play the last two weeks. I'm just worried McCaffrey is going to screw up the usage for him a little bit. Now there's just going to be somebody who's going to get like a, a four-target game. You'll have to deal with it. Maybe that will be DJ Moore. Maybe they'll just throw Ian Thomas back into the, into the ether. He hasn't really been consistent this year. I do like Samuel, the player. I will say this for Myers. It took a while for the Patriots to realize he needed to be on the field. Now they're rolling out their undrafted free agent package, which is called all their receivers. <laughs> they have nobody with pedigree. They just said, you know, okay, forget it. Harry's hurt. Let's just roll out guys who nobody else wanted the draft. Our practice squad guys, you know, guys, you don't even know what number they are. You know, Myers had a, you know, a couple a couple of years ago. He was like their summer guy who was catching yeah. all the touchdowns. Everybody was saying, "Hey, he's, he's going to make the team," and Brady seems to trust them. Of course, you know you can lose the Brady trust in about five seconds. We know how that goes. He's kind of like the he was for years the AFC's version of Aaron Rodgers. But he's been over I want to say over sixty yards in the last two games, or he has like one hundred and twenty yards the last couple of weeks. He did cash a two point conversion which I always like those plays because I feel like that maybe they relate to touchdown equity. You know, maybe that could be a touchdown next week. And, you know, hey, it was a short touchdown pass from the Patriots. It's just nice to see them do that because we talked about them being unable to do it. I feel confident he'll get the most opportunity against the Jets. I think like a seven or eight target game is coming for Myers because right now he's the only guy they can trust. Edelman's out for a while. They don't trust Harry. He's hurt. So I feel by default, Matt Myers is the guy if you want to get invested in that passing game, which you probably don't. But if you do... I'm wor- I don't trust Marvin Hall with, with the Lions. I, I'm worried about Marvin Jones having a good game, but now Galladay's out from the get-go, and teams can kind of erase him when he's not the first option. So I'm just that's a passing game I want to stay away from. And the thing with with Rieger is or Rager, I guess it is. It was nice to see him involved in Philadelphia, but I really believe that Travis Fulgham has earned the right to be there. Oh, kind of sure. featured receiver. Sure. I know they play different styles. You know, one guy's gonna, you know, Rager's going to be the guy they move all over the formation. Fulgham basically is on his island. He's the ex receiver, but I'd like to see, I want a written apology from the lions and from the Packers, two teams that could really use a receiver right now. You you had no use for Travis Fulgham. I mean, the lions had this guy in the building for a year. They ate lunch with him. They ate dinner with him. They watched film with him. They probably went bowling with him on a Friday night. You couldn't figure out this guy was a pretty good football player. Cause it sure seems like you could use it. Can Can I just tell you that my favorite thing about week nine already is that we don't have to think about the Eagles at all. They're like out of our lives for a week. And, and I just needed, I needed a break from ranking any Eagles whatsoever. Um, Wentz has been the hardest damn thing because he actually came into week eight as the QB seven in fantasy for the year, which is nuts because he's been a turnover machine. He's been super sloppy. He was he was obviously terrible in a win in week eight. It was a really ugly game against a, a defense that's been very poor all season. And I yeah, all based on his willingness to run yes. and take hits. It's funny. There are quarterbacks who can run and slide and run and get out of bounds. I feel like Wentz pays the price every he's, time he runs. He's having Josh Allen's like you know second season in Buffalo. Like that's exactly the year that he's. It's it's super sloppy. You you would never send your kid to Carson Wentz quarterbacking camp, right? Like it's just been terrible. And yet he has these rushing scores, and you know he, he sort of pulls it out of the fire late in games occasionally too. And you know that if you leave the room when Philadelphia has the ball and you come back and the other team has the ball, you know when it's something bad. You know you know there's an awful soul-crushing turnover that, that has all of Philadelphia in a tizzy. And it's too, I like Carson Wentz. I think he's a smart player. I think he's a tough player. I think he's been dealt a really bad hand. Yeah. Like their whole offensive line yeah. basically seemed like they, they got hurt before the season started. And then all their old receivers were hurt. And then their feature back was hurt. Boston Scott's a nice player. He's not Miles Sanders. Uh, we've seen the kind of the end of Zach Ertz. Dallas Goddard has been hurt for a long time. He finally got back last night. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, and it's funny, the Eagles right now who are the stand in right now, the de facto NFC East, you know, um, champion and waiting. I did make a, a future bet at plus 400. I took the Washington football team. So that they've been my official adoptee. I, I can't get behind Dallas. I still think the Giants are kind of a joke. And I don't want to believe in Philadelphia. So I'm going to go WFT. I know we won't talk defenses on this show. But yeah, Washington. Washington if you need a defense. For sure. Yeah, Washington against Danny Dimes. And I hope some of you, uh, by the time you 
you uh, listen to this, it won't be an option anymore. Make those Monday pickups on when teams are on by. That's a great time to scoop your look ahead defense that you're streaming and you get them for nothing. I, I was doing that all Monday morning. Wherever the, I could. the other thing I'll add about Washington, and I, I think it's fine to, to roll a defense in here, is they're actually a good defense. Like this is this is not one of those situations where you're just streaming some random defense that happens to be playing the Jets or whatever. This is like Washington is fifth in defensive DVOA. They are, uh, I think, fifth or sixth in sacks right now. So like a lot of the things that contribute to fantasy scoring takeaways, they're up there in INTs, they're up there in sacks. They can do those things. So, you know, even against relatively good opponents or neutral opponents, they can pile up points for you. And they have a they have a string of games coming up, mostly against the division that are super friendly, too. It's not just the Giants matchup. Yeah, I'm totally with you on the WFT. And the most important thing a fantasy defense can have for you is impact pass rush. And that's the strength of the Washington team. They're going to get beaten in the back end sometimes, but they will. Be, they can get there with a base rush. They can certainly get there when they blitz. And and so I, w- I can just already see that I'll guarantee Jones will have at least two giveaways in that yep. game and maybe multi- maybe more than that. Okay, so let's dive into the tight end position, just a minefield all season. And it got worse this week because now George Kittle is out. And I, I think we would pro- you'd probably agree effectively a drop right now. I mean, if he's going to miss eight weeks, there's no, I, I don't know, are you holding out hope that you make your fantasy championship and you've got George Kittle sitting on a, in a bench spot for two months, it's hard to it's hard to pull that off. Not only would I not use a bench spot for Kittle, but if you were in a league with limited IR spots and you had other players who were deserving of those spots, I'm just afraid Kittle. I mean, look, he's my favorite. I think he's the best NFL non-quarterback in the league. I, I love this guy. I love his his joie de vivre. I love the way he plays, competes, runs, blocks. But I mean, he's out two months on a team that I don't think is going to the playoffs anyway. So yeah. it's going to be a case of. What is he rushing back for to, to, to see if they can go seven and nine in week 16? I, I think his season's over. So if, unless you have a perfect setup to store him away and it's not, there's no opportunity cost of note, I think you have to cut him. Okay, so here's, here's the, the best list I could possibly come up with for you. Maybe you have names to add to this. Trey Burton, who we've talked about repeatedly on the show, he had a rushing touchdown. You, you, you talked about it, how they're, they're scheming ways for virtually everyone to score, apparently except for Jonathan Taylor. If you're, if you're a Colt, you probably scored this past week. Trey Burton with another rushing score. Eric Ebron is still hanging out there in just under 50% of Yahoo leagues. He had uh, almost 50 yards, had a touchdown against the Ravens, kind of a walk-in touchdown. Logan Thomas, I think, is a pretty interesting name because he's actually scored in back-to-back weeks. He's now off of his bye, and he's got, again, that that super-friendly schedule coming up. Uh, he's got the Giants this week and then a bunch of division games, so that's pretty friendly. And then I, I think if we're looking at the Niners, Jordan Reed probably coming back from IR. Ross Dwelly is out there. We may have Mullins throwing him the football because Jimmy G is going to be down for a while. Obviously, that's not, you know, in terms of supporting viable fantasy receivers, that's a that's a total non-issue like Mullins outplayed Garoppolo certainly in in week eight and we've seen multiple instances this season where the where the backup has come in and outdueled or outperformed uh, uh, Jimmy G so I don't worry about that too much I don't know you have any better names for us uh, Eric Ebron's the first guy like I think I think he's a matchup problem and Roethlisberger is not throwing downfield a yeah. lot it's it's been get the ball out of his hands throw intermediate and throw short to a a great collection of receivers. But I think they've really incorporated Ebron well, and he's been the tight end. And I think they always wanted Vance McDonald to be at least in the receiving game. And he was a first round pick. You know, he had that one great year with the Colts where he had all those touchdowns and he had that one rushing touchdown. I think he's the standout here. I would like the thing with Trey Burton is you have to use the running back rules with the tight ends with the Colts. Once they get down the two, if, if say, Mo Alley-Cox got hurt again or Jack Doyle was, was you know, unavailable, then you can say, oh, great, they're back down to two tight yeah. ends. Now I can play Trey Burton with some confidence. You like that they run the ball with him sometimes. They scheme him cheap touchdowns, which is what we're – whenever you're picking up a tight end, you're almost always asking yourself the question, can I see this guy being featured at the goal line? At least you can kind of tell yourself a story with Burton that that would be the case. I think Ebron actually has some upside to get targets. A name I want you to, to file away, and I, I know you may not have the luxury of picking him up right away. Austin Hooper had an appendectomy. He's missed two weeks, and the Browns don't play in week nine. So, so you, you may not have, you know, this may not be a high enough upside for you to waste a spot on him or waste some of your resources on him. But he had five catches in three straight games and was getting heavily targeted before the appendectomy. They said that he's definitely coming back week 10 for Houston. That's the, the team's goal here. 
So I think Hooper can go back to being kind of who he was in, in Atlanta. You know, yeah, four for 61, five for 58, the occasional touchdown. And in a very bad year for tight ends, I'll take that. We saw it, and Joku had a, had a drop pass in the Raider game. We saw um, the, the other tight end, the, the rookie, I can't think of his name. Off the top of my head. He had a really bad fumble. Yeah. Brian, yeah, who I like. I do like Brian a lot, but he had a fumble in that game. I think when Hooper's healthy, he's their number one guy on a team that just lost their alpha receiver. Austin Hooper is going to help you at some point. Now, I don't, I don't know if you can wait for him or not, but I think he's the best of this list. If you're looking for a long term, you know, who's going to help me in week 12 or, or maybe in the playoffs, Hooper would be my guy. You need help right away. I would focus on Ebron. And if the pickings are more slim, I think Burton has the touchdown equity. I'll just say, in, well, first of all, I think, I think you're right about Hooper. You're right to add his name to the list because he was surely kicked to the curb uh, in, in many, many leagues, uh, obviously coming off the, the appendectomy. Um, you, you just think about what Stefanski wants to run. They want to have two tight ends on the field all the time. They want some of those like high percentage throws for Baker Mayfield. So it makes all the sense in the world. I just want to just want to shout out uh, uh, Washington's schedule, upcoming schedule, because, again, I kind of like Logan Thomas here. Hasn't been really heavily targeted. But uh, again, we don't like we haven't really identified a number two receiver for the Washington football team just yet. And they certainly do like Logan Thomas once they get inside the 10, when they get in goal to go situations. I think he has seven red zone targets already on the season. Upcoming opponents for Washington, the Giants, the Lions, the Bengals, the Cowboys. Anybody scare you there? Uh, nobody so far. The Steelers, that's a tricky one. Um, and then the Niners, the Seahawks, the Panthers, the Eagles. Like it's a it's a relatively friendly schedule, especially the next month or so. So I think Logan Thomas can help a bit. Great call. Touchdowns in his last two games. And those first four opponents are about as good as you could ask yep. for. If you could handpick your opponents and the Jets weren't an option, that's probably <laughs> like the, the slate that you would look for. And, you know, he's getting four targets a week, but he has, again, touchdown equity. He scored two weeks in yeah. a row. They can't all go to Terry McLaurin. So, yeah, I'm, I'm in on Logan Thomas. Okay, let's look at the quarterbacks uh, last but not least here. Not that you are leaning on Jimmy Garoppolo, but he's got the high ankle sprain. We've got four teams on by in the week ahead. So let's talk this through. I put Drew Locke at the top of the list in part because he is just about to face uh, Atlanta. And I know it didn't work out for Teddy Bridgewater. Weather played a role there, but Atlanta has obviously been extremely friendly to to receivers, to opposing quarterbacks. They're basically giving up 300-yard weeks every week so far this season, except to Teddy. And Locke is... Like Locke is kind of a fun experience to tie yourself to, at least for a week. It's a bit of a roller coaster. There's a handful of head scratching plays along the way, but sometimes in the end it works out in a in a fun way. You just gotta hope that he doesn't get himself injured again. But he's got a nice little collection of receivers too. Jerry Judy is playing really well. Um we talked about Tim Patrick and KJ Hamler. So like there's some no offense. Um there is some uh there there's a little bit of talent there. And again, the matchup is great against Atlanta. I don't I don't know if I could really pull the trigger on Kirk Cousins, but he does get the Lions next week. He's also coming off a game in which he only threw the ball 14 times. And you said it like that's exactly what Mike Zimmer wants. So your fear has to be that you won't even get 20 pass attempts from Kirk Cousins. But I feel also obliged to say that it is a pretty great matchup. Teddy Bridgewater gets a game against Kansas City, which has actually been a, a really good pass defense. But it's one of those. It's one of those setups where you think they're going to be chasing points. They're probably going to be playing from behind, and Teddy is going to at least have to put the ball in the air. I think we have to consider Nick Mullins in the Thursday nighter against Green Bay. Green Bay has obviously not been a stay-away matchup so far this season, either to the run or the pass. If you're in a super flex league, maybe maybe Jake Luton, right, with Jacksonville, who's going to replace the injured and, as uh, Roto World put it, scapegoated uh, Gardner Minshew this week. Love that blurb. Um, so I don't know. Uh, sort sort through that list for us. Yeah, I like Locke for the reasons you mentioned. He's got all those good receivers and any two good tight ends. Uh, fans, I think fans going to be. If you take nothing from this podcast other than this, draft Noah Fant next yeah. year. That guy is going to be. And I, I know Andy already is biased against you know in favor of all Iowa <laughs> tight ends, but that guy's going to be a star. He, he just needs a couple of things to go his way with health and maybe the quarterback play to get a little bit better. I like Alberto too, just you know, for what he is. He didn't get a lot of use in week eight, but he's a good player. There's talent here. Yeah. Gordon can catch the ball. I think Philip Lindsay's a good player. So Locke gets the first call from me. I'm just worried with Cousins. As you mentioned, Zimmer wants to play a certain way, and Detroit's running defense is worse than their yeah. pass defense. Yeah. So I'm just afraid Dalvin Cook is going to do whatever he wants. 
And the Vikings are going to be like, oh, cool. You know, we can have Cousins throw 15 passes like we want to. I mean, it won't be that bad. But I don't think there's any scenario where Cousins throws 35 or 40 passes. Now, it's great that when he does, it may be a long one to Jefferson. It may be a long one to Thielen. But I'm just worried about the game flow not going his way. I expect Bridgewater to have a bounce back. He's a better player than what we saw Thursday. They've had a week and a half, that almost like a half by week to sort out what they did wrong. I like the coaching staff here. I'm a rule guy. I'm a Brady guy. Sounds like maybe McCaffrey's ready to go. So I think Bridgewater would be not only my second target here, but if you put him above Locke, I'd be totally in favor of it. I don't know what to do with Mullins. He had some really nice moments a couple of years ago. And then earlier this year, he looked so bad that C.J. Beathard kind of leapt over him in the pecking order for the Garoppolo stand-ins. And what is Mullins going to be working with? There'll be no Kittle. There'll be no Debo for a while. Uh, we know Mostert is, is currently on IR scheduled to return, so he's not going to be back this week. A short turnaround against uh, the, the Packers on Thursday. We do like Kyle Shanahan as a coach. I feel like Mullins could throw for 270 and multiple touchdowns. I'm like, oh, yeah, he's not a bad player. Or he could throw for 135 and like three picks and, and C.J. Beathard would play the fourth quarter. I think both of those things are in play. Yeah, I should I should have said I think I think Nick Mullins has made some of the worst throws that I've seen all season. Like he's he's had some moments that are that are about as bad as you will ever see from an NFL quarterback. And it's so hard to know. He, he just had a huge fourth quarter against Seattle, but it was the a, a historically bad pass defense in a game where Seattle was so far ahead. They were willing to trade yardage for time. Yeah. I know that San Francisco made the game cosmetically close. They got to within eight points, you know, so, okay, fine. You know, some people might argue garbage time doesn't even exist anymore because everybody can make a comeback. You know, the Cowboys did beat the Falcons that (laughs) one week, even though they were down a million points. I I know that feels like five years ago, but I don't really know what to make of Mullins. I, I will say one other thing with Mullins, maybe in a deeper league, I have no idea what this roster ownership is, but Kendrick Bourne and Mullins seem to have a pretty good connection in that Seattle game. So if you're digging deep at receiver, maybe Bourne might be a guy to look at. I know most people want to have a fantasy Luton-free diet, but I actually <laughs> had to pick up Luton in some Superflex leagues. I have Minshew, Minshew shares, and I had to play the guessing game of, do I think they're going to go with Mike Clennon or Jake Luton? And I, I had no idea what to do. I wasn't even sure how to pronounce Luton. I'm still not sure we're doing it right. But um, yeah, if you're desperate Superflex league, or I, I have uh, Joe Burrow in that 20-teamer that we're in, so I need a quarterback answer. I guess this means I want to blow all my fab money on Mullins, which is kind of a nice feeling. But of course, I'm afraid that Luton could score nine points or, or maybe not even get the start at all. Uh, and before we get on a quarterback, I'm curious. I don't know what the ownership tag is at, but uh, the Dolphins won their game pretty much by terrorizing Nick Foles for three hours. But what did you think of the the Tua debut? Yeah, that's that's good. I did want to I did want to get into uh, to Tua a little bit. He obviously it wasn't a, a particularly useful fantasy performance for him. I think it was 12 for 22, 93 yards, a touchdown. And it was also just one of those weird games like, I don't know, think of the Mahomes game a couple of weeks ago where there's a defensive touchdown and there's a special teams touchdown Two return and yeah. the other quarterback is given the football away. And like they just didn't. They just didn't need a big week from Tua. I think it was, in a very general sense, a positive that he was at least able to tread water in a in a game where they they couldn't they couldn't possibly have wanted to debut him against the Rams, right? Like there was no way that was the plan. Oh, your fir- your first NFL action is going to be uh, against Aaron Donald and and this fierce pass rush and this dominant uh, front seven. I should also say, like there were. I don't even know who classifies things as drops, right? I'm not sure how it's done. There were at least, in my view, four drops in this game. And four drops in 22 pass attempts is a, that's a sh- <laughs> like, like that was like this could have been a very different day for Tua. He certainly could have been over, I don't know, 140 yards like they were just flat out drops. So but, you know, he's going to have to work with these receivers all year, too. And and some of them are drop prone, like Mike Gusecki will drop the football occasionally. So it was just an ugly day for his receivers. I thought he was fine. He never almost never, I guess I'll say, pushed the ball downfield like his intended air yards in this game per per attempt was less than five it was like 4.7 or 4.8 which is which is down in breeze and golf territory like he just did not push the ball down the field maybe that was maybe that was just sort of game plan against a really good pass rush and they wanted him not thinking too much getting the ball out quick maybe that was a bit of a reflection of you know it was a a lot of short stuff at alabama stuff that he's comfortable with so i think that's probably what that was and overall i thought he was fine his receivers did not play well and I, I think there's better days ahead. 
I think he made a real man's throw on the touchdown to Parker because yeah. there wasn't really separation there. That was a tight window throw where you needed perfect execution on the pass, perfect execution on the catch because the receiver was had the defender draped all over him. So I give two a high marks for that. And the game flow, all of a sudden, boom, Miami had a huge lead. Yeah. And whatever they whatever the plan was for Tua beforehand, which was probably what you said, get the ball out quickly. Let's not put too much on your plate. All of a sudden, you get a twenty-one point lead, and I'm sure the game plans shifted to okay, we can win, the, we can coast from here. Let's just not give anything away on offense. Let's just make sure we make good decisions and force them to drive up and down the field a bunch of times to come back against this. Against, by the way, a very scrappy Miami defense. Hats off to Brian Flores. This team was considered right. – they were considered the quote-unquote Jets last year, right? People, at this point last year, some people thought Miami could go winless, and some people thought maybe they were doing it to get Tua, right? You know, tank for Tua was a thing, and Brian Flores fixed the culture. They, I think they went five and four in their last nine games or something like that. They covered most of those. Uh, they famously knocked New England out of the first round by with that week 17 game. So you know, Miami is not a fun team to play. They embarrassed the 49ers just a few weeks ago in San Francisco, and then they beat a Rams team that I think is respected. Hard to know how good the Rams are because their schedule's been so weak. I mean, they, the whole NFC West is getting the whole NFC East, so they're all getting these cupcake wins. But, yeah, I agree with you. I, they didn't want Tua to have to win the game on, on his own, and because the game flow went a certain way, he certainly didn't have to. But I think better days are ahead, and I'm looking forward to watching him play. Man, I feel really good if I were a Dolphins fan about Coach Flo right now. Like, that was just – I mean, he's he's just been great. That team remains the only it feels kind of weird because I think the Bills have six wins, but the Dolphins are the only team with a positive point differential in that division <laughs> had to it had to make the decision to go away from Fitzpatrick that much more difficult, right? Because there is an easy argument to make the Dolphins are actually the best team in that division right at this moment. They have to feel great. You know, Buffalo did not cover themselves in glory in that win over New England. If, if Cam doesn't fumble, I think the Patriots are going to win that game. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, uh, you know, better better days ahead for Tua. I don't know that he'll ever enter the the conversation as a one quarterback league fantasy starter. I, I don't think we're there. Uh, might have to be a pretty special matchup. But I don't know. Joe Burrow looks great. Justin Herbert looks great. Um, I, I have every confidence that uh, that Tua down the road can have some big days. So I feel pretty good about him. Let's get to everybody's favorite portion of the show where we tell you who to launch, who to kick to the curb, who to throw on the discard pile. This is where we talk about droppable players. Scott, who do you got? Yeah, I, I feel like it's been a, a kick the Patriots when they're down segment. But James White just doesn't have a big role in the Cam Newton offense. His team wants to run the ball, which means Harris. They won the run the ball, which means Newton. And James White is somebody who you get him because you're hoping for those five to eight catch games, occasional running plays. He's just not getting a lot of touches. I mean, I know he went through a, an awful personal tragedy early in the year. He didn't play in the Seattle game. You know, his parents were in a car accident. I mean, James White was one of my all-time favorite players. I would have given him the MVP in that Super Bowl win over Atlanta. But I don't think he's a good fit for the current Patriot offense. I don't think – I think him and Cam, there's just not a connection there. Cam is – you never think of Cam proactively checking down the backs and stuff like that. So White's just not getting enough use. Um, the good thing about dropping a guy like James White is that I don't think there'll be a ripple effect around your league. So you can kind of put him on – when I say you put him on waivers, what you do is you, you put him to the side very, very softly. And if James White is worth scooping up later in the year, maybe you'll be able to just go back where you left him because the rest of the league may not be paying attention. They may assume he's on a roster. I can't say enough. We talk about who to pick up. We even talk about who to drop. Make sure you're auditing all the drops in your league because we're at a time now where people get desperate with bye weeks, with injuries, with a losing record in fantasy, and they need to win right away. And they'll have to drop players they don't want to. And the quality of the drops will never be as high as they are at this time of the year. So make sure you're auditing who gets dropped. I'm telling you to drop James White. Just be ready. If anything turns with the Patriots, he may be somebody you welcome back in the team. And remember, the, the Eagles cut Travis Fulgham. Then they add him to the practice squad. And now he's you know one of the stars of the team, maybe the only player we trust on that offense. So put James White on waivers. Just remember where you left. Yeah, him. that's a that's a really good point. I mean, fantasy teams right now that are two and six, three and five, whatever, like you're you're only looking at the week ahead. And if a guy can't help you in the week ahead, they you know, you're a three and five fantasy team, they become droppable to you. I'm I'm actually gonna I'm going to mention a player and I feel a little bit guilty about this because I've, I've ridden him uh, over the last couple of weeks uh, to a handful of fantasy wins. 
I'm going to talk about a guy who has, what, four touchdowns over his last three games. He's coming off a two-touchdown game. He's been great in relief of Joe Mixon, but Giovanni Bernard is headed into his bye. I have to assume that coming out of the bye, Joe Mixon is going to be fine because I, I imagine they would have put Mixon on IR if they thought he was going to miss multiple weeks beyond, you know, these two ahead of the bye. So I think Mixon comes back, um, takes over a pretty healthy workload. And I think Giovanni Bernard goes back to being the Giovanni Bernard that we've we've come to know and love. Maybe you could shop like if you happen to be tied to Bernard and you're not the guy who also has Mixon, maybe you could try to shop him to to whoever has Mixon on their roster. But other than that, you know, and when they come out of their bye, they get Pittsburgh. So that's a brutal matchup for any running back. So tough matchup ahead after his bye and he's going into a week in which he can't help you. And I'm assuming Mixon is coming back. So uh, regrettably, we're, we're going to have to say goodbye to Giovanni Bernard at some point. Yeah, you, you hit what I was going to say about shopping him to the mix and owner, just like Mike Davis, right? I mean, before, yeah. I don't think you can cut Davis yet. You need to see McCaffrey play a game. But if you own Mike Davis, you it behooves you to have a conversation with the McCaffrey owner. And look, I, he may tell you to get lost. He may not take your phone call. I can't guarantee that. I don't know the guy who owns McCaffrey in your league. And you know some people will be more proactive about it than others. It may come down to their current roster shape. And just one other strategy I, I want to point out, and, and this actually applied with you and I, you talked about, teams that need to win. We're in a particular league. I've had some breaks. I have a pretty good team. You've had some tough luck with injuries. You had to trade. It was in a position last week where I traded for Terry McLaurin on bye weeks. I didn't need the game critically. And you needed to have you know a DJ Moore type yeah. who could play that week. So if you're sitting pretty in the standings, go look at the bye weeks, okay, and say, okay, Cleveland doesn't play this week. You know, who's got Kareem Hunt? You know, can I what can I do to make this guy's life easier today and maybe my life better later? That's not the perfect example because I don't know what Hunt's status will be when Chubb comes back. But the but nobody wants to trade in September because nobody has problems yet. Nobody's bye weeks yet. Injuries haven't gone crazy yet. But now teams have situations where, again, you have to look at the bye weeks and see who's going to be all in this week. And is there a way for us to find a win-win trade? Whether it's you're the team that needs to win right away or you're the team that can look down the road. If you're in the position where you don't need to win right away, you can get some great deals by buying players into their buying. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. You don't have to just like ambulance chase as a fantasy manager, right? Like you can also just think about the buys and who has immediate needs. That is going to do it for the pickups episode. I hope we helped you just a little bit setting your waiver priorities for week nine. If you are interested in other podcasts, and that would be a reasonably safe assumption, we have lots of them for you at Yahoo Sports. Check out the Yahoo Sports NFL pod with Charles Robinson and Therese Paler. It is a must listen. Those guys were great uh, this week in the uh, in the freestyle on Sunday night. Check out the Yahoo Sports College podcast, which is always hilarious with Dan Wetzel with Pete Thamel with our very good friend Pat Forty from SI. Follow us, if you will, on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I am at Andy Barons, and he is at Scott underscore Pianowski. One more time, huge thanks to Planners. Huge thanks to our producer, Sully. Tomorrow, Matt Harmon and the great Dalton Del Don take over on the pod. But until then, we are out. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.